Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome in to the Destination Debbie College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Paul, at Gump7285 on Twitter. Joined by my co-host, Derek. His Twitter is at the underscore cook93, and that's spelled K-O-C-H. Coming to you after another wonderful week of college football here in week five. It was a pretty good game, pretty good set of games today, I'd say. Very competitive, lots of Debbie relevant topics to talk about. What do you think of today's games, buddy? Uh, I mean, I'm not quite as intrigued by this week's of games as I was last week, but um, definitely some some Debbie players went off this week. Uh, and anytime college football is on, I'm I'm excited to to be here talking about it with you. Although my Buckeyes didn't play, but I'm still here. Yeah, they did. And I was my wife asked me what time they were playing. I'm looking through the scores. I'm hmm, guess they have a bye week this week because I'm not seeing them. Right. Michigan basically had a bye week too, but we'll get to them here in a little bit. We'll dive right into it. Kicking off on Friday night, we had a top 19 matchup. Number 10, Oregon at number 19, or sorry, number 10, Utah at number 19, Oregon State. Oregon State came off the W, as I predicted last week on our Gridiron Fantasy Show, Debbie preview for the week. Utah was, what, I think three, three and a half point road favorites. And they did not look like it without Cam Rising once again. Saw a lot of Nate Johnson and probably the worst he's looked all season, in my opinion. What do you think of Nate Johnson this week? Yeah, he. I mean, you're going to take this growing pains. Anytime you have a young quarterback going out there and starting, especially against a tough team, tough defense. He was 8 of 23 for 101 passing yards, one touchdown. He didn't, you know, didn't turn the ball over, didn't throw an interception, but, you know, you, you average 4.4 yards per per uh, attempt that is it is not good not good at all no and he couldn't get loose running the ball nine quote-unquote attempts it's of course in college sacks count as a rush attempt so nine attempts for three yards he didn't get loose like we're used to seeing from him he just wasn't on target probably the best receiver in my eyes money parks was held under wraps he had a chance at a couple of deep balls that just were not on the point for him to pull in and like I said, that Oregon State defense was extremely tough. They were on their game and absolutely shut down Utah. That yeah, they, they they kept Nate Johnson completely under wraps. I mean, like you said, he couldn't couldn't break free any which way, whether he was passing or throwing the ball or passing or running the ball. He just 
Didn't look good. And again, no Cam Rising. He's finally practicing, but has not been cleared to actually play. We didn't see Jaquindon Jackson, the senior running back, for whatever reason. So they were definitely shorthanded. But still, we expect more out of this Utah team by Kyle Whittingham. They're always prepared. They always play well, it seems. But not this past Friday night. And we'll kick it over to the Utah State, damn it, Oregon State side of things. I'm just tripping over all the words tonight. My apologies. Uh, DJU had a so-so game, 14-25 for 204, touchdown, did throw an interception, did not get into the end zone on the ground, which is a little bit surprising with how well he's been able to do that this season. Running mate Damian Martinez, same thing. Had a decent game, but below his standards for sure. 16 carries for 65 yards and a touchdown. But the star of the show, I'd say, is Silas Bolden. The wide receiver had six receptions, 100 yards and a touchdown. I think it was around 40-something yards. Caught a very nice out route from DJU. A defender shoved into the sideline, stayed inbounds, and then juked the second defender to walk into the end zone. Just a beautiful run after the catch. And that's about everything I have. I, like I said, predicted Oregon State to win, but I thought it'd be a little bit more high-scoring affair, less defensive battle. But DJU did enough to help his team come out with a W, so good for him. And they will probably move into the top 15 after this one. Yeah, I'd say so. What They're 4-1 they're and one now, same, same record as Utah. Uh, held Utah under wraps, only let them score seven. I'm with you on that. I figured it'd be a little higher scoring game. I didn't think Oregon State would hold them to seven. I know Utah didn't look that great last week. I think they scored what, 14 last week. Um, but yeah, I, I I was rooting for Utah, man. But Oregon State looked good, absolutely. Yeah, if Utah's still in uh, top 17, I'd be surprised. Like you said, against UCLA, they struggled heavily. Only put up 14. Once again, struggled here, only put up seven. So without Cam Rising, it's not looking too hot for them to win the Pac-12. Yeah, I mean, and I, we're not as big on Cam Rising as we were uh, before last season, but I, I think he is the the key that makes this team better. Uh, I'm Nate Johnson fan, but it's a little early for him. And Cam Rising puts him at the best chance to win. Yeah, I thought coming into this year, we'd be talking a lot about Mr. Rising, rising up the draft boards and, is Debbie stock, but if he's not healthy enough to get on the field and um, not much you can do, it's not the right year for him to miss a whole bunch of time like he has so far. So his draft stock is pretty much bottom out to this point. I don't see anything he can do going forward to make a big impact on the draft community. I'd say with all the other quarterbacks in the running for this class. Yeah. I mean, we're talking, he's, you know, we're five games in, we haven't seen him touch the field yet. You know, so what, eight, nine games left at max? He'd have to, I mean, in next week, who's to say if he even plays? But he'd have to come in and absolutely set the world on fire to really talk about him, I'd say. Yeah, we'll move on to a Big Ten slobber knocker. The Penn State Nittany Lions at the Northwestern Wildcats. And this game was neck and neck through the first half, 10 to 10 at halftime. And then Penn State finally started to pull away. But it was not an impressive victory like the scoreboard scoreboard would suggest. They won 41 to 13, but they struggled. The big three, they all fumbled. Uh, Aller, 
Catron Allen and Nick Singleton, all three fumbled. They only lost one of them, luckily for them. But they all dropped the ball. Drew Aller, another disappointing game for him, man. 18 and 33 for 189 and a touchdown. Yeah, I mean, he did I, I a rushing touchdown though. Yeah, I, I hate to to be this guy, but now that they're you know we're knee deep in the Big Ten conference schedule, I mean it's it's conference opponents. They're tough. Uh, I think this for this Penn State team to you know be a national perennial powerhouse, they're going to have to learn to run the ball. I get that Singleton you know had 21 carries for 80 yards and a touchdown, which is better than what he's doing for the most part, but. You know, they're, they're going to have to get better. Drew Waller, you're not going to be able to completely rely on his shoulder, his legs to continue on when you go against Ohio State and Michigan later in the season. The scoreboard was definitely uh, deceiving, to say the least. Yeah, absolutely. Drew Waller, has your opinion or your ranking changed on him after this game? Struggling for a few weeks in a row. Not looking the best, you can tell. As the competition gets tougher, He's not playing up to the toughness of the competition so far. Are you still will, ungodly high on him? He was my Debbie QB too. Um, he is. I mean, he was never my Debbie QB two. I'm going to look now. He is my Debbie QB six. I have five 24 guys ahead of him, but he is the Debbie QB one and 25. I think that's obvious. Um, so the, I, I'm, I still believe in Drew Waller. Still love the kids. Still think he's got you know all the potential in the world. Uh, I, I am getting a little bit concerned that he's, that they're throwing the ball so much and he's not getting, uh, not hitting his targets, not getting the numbers that you would expect with having what 33 pass attempts in the game, you know, just, just North of 50% completion percentage. I mean, that's, that's not good. A yeah, good thing is he's not turning the ball over though. I mean, I know that like you said he fumbled, but he didn't, he didn't lose it. Right. Correct. He did not lose his Nick Singleton did. Yeah. So, I'm, so I'm not right concerned now, yet, but I, I, if he does this against Ohio State and Michigan, I don't think they win the games. Oh, no, absolutely not. If he's can't even hit 200 yards, they're not going to have a shot in H-E double hockey sticks to win those games. Right. I'm with you on that. Would you still rather have Shadur Sanders, Quinn Ewers, and Drake May over Drew Aller at the moment? Yeah, if I'm sticking to my Debbie rankings, I absolutely would. That's Those are the three plus Cam Ward I have over him right now. Throw the rankings out for this one. J.J. McCarthy. No, I'd probably rather have mm, – that's so tough, man. Mm-hmm. That is tough. I want to sit here and say that's a coin flip, but I think from what I saw earlier this year out of J.J. and the command he's had of this offense, um, I think it's changed a little bit since – Harbaugh's got back and the Big Ten conference schedule started. But the way J.J. orchestrated himself in the first three, four games of the season, I think it was really the first three. I think I'd rather have J.J. He's proven it. He's a winner. not saying Drew Aller's not, but J.J.'s been there for, you know, this is year two starting, and he's I just feel like he's total package. And he's got that moxie behind him that he knows he's, he knows he's the guy. So I, I think I'd take J.J. Note to self, trade Drew Aller for J.J. McCarthy plus. I will be trying to do that in one Debbie League later tonight to see if any fish are biting on that one. Like you, have, my, you have Drew Aller in, you trade for JJ Plus, you, you said? I would attempt to see what the plus is. Yeah. I mean, it can't hurt to try the waters out. I'm sure Drew Aller is going to bounce back at some point. But he was, like I said, he was my Debbie quarterback too. I'll probably knock him down to five. 
know, just move up. You were Shadur and Drake May, all one spot. Just basically moving down be behind the top 24 guys at the moment for me. I've He's got him below the the number two quarterback I want in Debbie at the moment. Yeah, I'm I mean I'm I'm still high on him, but like I said, he's my Debbie QB six behind Caleb Williams, Shadur, Drake May, Quinn Ewers, and Cam Ward in that order. Yeah, I was the one that was ungodly high on him, and so far I seem to be wrong to be that high on him. I like said he can turn things around in a hurry. This is but only it was what... Northwestern. I expected a lot more out of this game. I can understand Iowa. You know, inherently they are a tough nosed defense. But Northwestern, they've been pretty bad this year, although they are two and three. Yeah, I mean the, the big thing is Notre Dame's still five and zero, oh, uh, but we gotta remember that this is only what his fifth start in college. So mm-hmm. I don't because I don't think he started any games last year, at least not that I can remember. Um so you're, again, I feel like we keep saying it week to week. We're going to go through these growing pains as long as he's not doing a bad job turning the ball over. You know, just just growing pains. And just interesting now that I'm looking at it, the stadium was only filled to a hair over 50% capacity. Holds over 47, and they only had 25,000 in attendance at Northwestern. Yeah, that's crazy. You would think with, uh, you know, low stadium attendance like that, that it wasn't crazy loud. You think that he'd just be able to orchestrate the offense any way he wanted to. So. Yeah. And same thing this week outside of Nick Singleton, who had six receptions, his favorite wide receiver was Keandre Lambert Smith. Caught four balls for 86 yards. Nick Singleton did get a rushing touchdown and a receiving touchdown over a hundred yards on purpose. 21 carries. Easily the season high for him in 80 yards. Katron Allen only had six carries for 27. So we're starting to see that shift that we saw last year. Nick Singleton clearly being the number one, the more quote-unquote bell cow running back that we've been looking for all season. Yeah, I mean, with uh, him taking the reins this week at 21 compared to six for Katron Allen, you know, good news. I still think Katron over the, on the season still has more yards and carries, but, um, you know, you my opinion, you should always stick to one guy. It's nice to have a change of pace back, but you need to have a, a lead back. It's it's makes the most sense. I feel like that's just the way to build a rhythm. Yeah, especially with them still being both sophomores. Yeah. Nick Singleton being the home run guy that he was. He needs to get used to being the guy. And so far they haven't handed him the reins fully. But hopefully this is what we see going forward because I think that'll be their key to success is giving Singleton the ball more and more each week as well as getting involved in the passing game since their weapons outside of Lambert-Smith are so-so at best. I mean, kind of like you, alluding to what you said, you know, he had 21 carries and six catches. That's 20, 27 touches. I mean, that's about what I would want Singleton to have, you know, 20-plus carries, 5 to 10 targets. Uh, it may seem crazy. It might be an insane amount of work for a running back, but, uh, but this guy is as special as Nick Singleton. Like you said, his ability to hit the home runs, the more opportunity he gets, the more opportunity he gets to to search and, and get those home run balls. So, um, and Katron Allen to me is more of like the, the bull in a China shop type deal. He's the change of pace back pair, Nick Singleton, um, you know, kind of a, a TD vulture per se. So, I feel like they just need to figure out their roles and which way they want to go with each guy. Oh, absolutely. 
I would like to see more Catron Allen, of course. I don't think six carries a game does him any justice. And I also think that's also not the way the offense could be running. I want to see ideal scenario, Nick Singleton, 15-plus carries, couple receptions, Catron, 10-plus carries, and whatever he can pick up in the receiving game. I think that would yep. be a pretty good balance, especially in terms of Singleton is clearly the more talented back. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see like a 60-40 split between the two touches-wise. You know, I, I wouldn't be mad if Catron Allen had, you know, just a, you know, less than a handful, less carries, but obviously Singleton's going to get the the receiving work. So I'm with you on that. And we'll move on to, I guess, the game of the week. I'd it say. Definitely USC turned out Colorado. So all you Colorado haters tuning into this, buckle your seatbelts. You're going to love this one for sure. Caleb Williams, 30 of 40, 403 yards, six touchdowns. Yes, six, two hat tricks, one game. He did throw an interception finally, but he looked like Caleb Williams. He looked like the back-to-back Heisman Trophy winner, number one overall pick. Comparisons to Patrick Mahomes were showing through probably more than ever this game, especially I'm sure you remember it for sure, the 70-yard, 75-yard pass to Taj Washington to where he held the ball for a minute, rolled out to his left, and just absolutely threw a strike. Yeah, I, I remember it. That was a 71-yard strike to, to Taj Washington, like you said. I mean, um, it seems like we don't have the best luck when we say games of the week. Last week we said it was Oregon and, and the same Colorado team, and it was not. Uh, this game in the first half was not pretty. Uh, USC at one point was up 48-21, to 21, I believe, and then USC didn't score again. And Shadur Sanders and this Colorado offense just, just – was doing what they wanted. I mean, kind of like you said on, on our, our podcast that, you know, USC's defense isn't very good. I know starting the game, I think they were up 14 to zero and intercepted Shadur Sanders. He threw a second interception on the season. And I was like, Oh, this is going to be a rough day for this Colorado team. And it just it ended up being a, a freaking dog fight, man. 48, 41. Yeah. I thought the same thing when he threw that pick as well, especially the kind of pick, it was clearly a miscommunication with the receiver. Yeah, he thought, he thought Xavier Worthy was going inside, and he threw it outside. Or he threw Xavier it outside. Weaver. Is that what I said? You said Xavier Worthy. No, Xavier Weaver. I'm sorry. I said it again. Xavier Weaver, he thought he was going outside. Weaver went inside on the on the curl route. And it's just, like you said, just a miscommunication. Maybe they saw two different things. I don't know. Um, but it was, it was bad. It was, unfortunately. For USC, that didn't end the day for them. They showed the perseverance. They looked like a Deion Sanders coach team today coming back from that big hole. And they also were 50-50 split, passed the ball 45 times, ran the ball 45 times. That's a shocker, especially given the game script and them being down majority of the game by multiple scores. Uh, Anthony Hankerson, 16 carries, Shadur, including his sacks, of course, 14 and Dylan Edwards got 12. So a very heavy run attack today. Shadur got a touchdown on a long scramble, showed off his mobility, and he can hurt you with his legs if and when he wants to. But I still yeah. think he shined today, even with the interception. 30 or 45, almost 400 yards and four touchdowns. No, absolutely he did. And, um, I mean, obviously that was before he – I mean, they were down, like I said, 14-0 when that interception happened. So – 
you know, as a quarterback, you've got to have a short memory. And he did. He came back and dropped, like you said, 300 plus passing yards, four touchdowns after that interception. Um, I'm, I'm still super high on Shadur. This, this losing this game was, was not his fault. Um, I mean, we can talk about the clock mismanagement there on the last drive. If you want, maybe that could be classified as his fault or just as the coaching staff's fault, but uh, he, he did everything he could to make this a game for him and the Colorado Buffaloes. Um, and then I feel like, again, I hear a lot of people saying Shadur Sanders doesn't have wiggle and doesn't have the ability to run the ball. I, I beg to differ. I think Shadur Sanders can – he's not a dual-threat quarterback, but he can – he's got some D on him. He can run the ball. Yeah, I just chuckle when I see people saying that, and they actually believe themselves when they say those words. But then you turn on some tape of him being mobile in the pocket, getting out, gaining some yards when the opportunity presents himself, and then the running touchdown today. I don't know how you can say that he can't do something with his legs. But, again, I'd say Colorado and Shadur are probably the most hated on, negatively talked about team and quarterback in the nation at the moment. No, absolutely they are. I mean, um, I, I kind of have the same uh, outlook as you. You know, I don't get how people can say he doesn't – he can't run the ball. Obviously, he can. I know he gets sacked a lot, so looking at, at stats and stuff, he seems to have a lot more rushes than what he does. But if you have the arm talent he does and the ability, you know, just the ability to throw the ball, why would you take the the eight to twelve yard scramble QB run, possibly getting hit, getting hurt, compared to being able to make any throw, you know, thirty yards or deeper that you want? Keep your eyes down the field. That's what you're going to do in the NFL, anyways. Yeah, go through your reads, find the open man, and that's what he's very good at is finding the open guy, and he does it in a timely manner. He does in a timely manner, and he, I feel like he never makes the wrong read. I know, like, going back to the interception he had earlier in the game, it's just, to me, it wasn't the wrong read. The guy was open. He just broke the opposite way of what he thought he was going to. You know, whether that's Caleb or whether that's Shadur's fault or uh, Weaver's fault, we probably will never know. But I, I'm still super high on Shadur. He's still my WQB2, and something crazy would have to happen for me to change my mind. Absolutely. We'll move on to the receivers. Xavier Weaver coming into the game was easily Shadur's top target. He had seven receptions for only 29 yards. Jimmy Horn Jr. bounced back, seven receptions for 84 and two touchdowns. And then the freshman Omarion Miller just kicked down the front door, bursted onto the scene this week with seven catches for 196 and a touchdown. Made a beautiful sideline grab, you know, little tippy-toe tap on that one, falling out of bounds. It was just magnificent work by him. But he's someone to keep your eye on. If he can continue to even do half of what he did today on a weekly basis and be a real threat out there in the absence of Travis Hunter, he's got big things coming. No, absolutely. I remember the play that you're talking about. Um, for a, a freshman to have the awareness and ability to do that, to me, is is pretty insane. You don't see freshmen making plays like that. I mean, he drugged both toes and was on his tiptoes, falling out of bounds. I mean, that was just just beautiful. Um, I think he's a, a name to to remember. But, uh, yeah, if – I mean, Travis Hunter comes back, this offense is even more more dynamic with more dynamite. Um, but it, it was Amarian Miller's – it was his game today. He, he broke out, flew out on the scene, broke the door down, knocked down the house. Remember his name for sure. And on top of missing Travis Hunter on the defensive side of the ball, they were also missing leading tackler Shiloh Sanders as well. So down their top two defenders, 
I know they let up 48 points, but they hung in there. They held them to a manageable amount for this offense. So that's a pretty good job on the defense, I would say, even though casual fans or just really anybody in general seeing 48 put up, you think the defense did an absolute terrible job. But for their standards, they did all right today, especially being down the top two guys. Couldn't have asked for much more. Yeah, and then you also got to remember, though, also that uh, USC was without uh, Zachariah Branch. Again, not not saying one player makes is going to make a world of difference, but in a game like this, that could be a seven-point game to a, a 14-21 point game. Um, but, you know, both both teams were missing missing key players. I'd say Travis Hunter was was the big one, obviously, for, you know, the most overall. But, uh, yeah, man, it was, it was a great game. I, I wish it, you know, there was another three minutes left in the game because – you know this. This could have been different. I don't know if I don't know if you want to talk about the 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 clock mismanagement or not. But they they had a chance, but they they just didn't manage that clock good that last drive. Yeah, they had way too many run plays for my liking, especially for the type of offense they are. You decide to start running the ball under six minutes left, down by two scores. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of that play calling. It's on like your they, on your side of the fifty. It's not. Yeah, it's like they forgot about the new timing rules that clock doesn't stop on a first down anymore to under two minutes. Just really the worst drive play calling time management wise by far I've seen from them this whole season. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, like you said, you're down by down by two scores, down by 14 and you got the ball with six minutes left. I mean, you and yeah, I know there's you have no timeouts, but you have plenty of time to march down, score the ball, which they did. But when they scored and kicked the ball, you know, went to go kick the onside kick, there's only a minute and 40 seconds left. I think it was a minute 40. There, there just there wasn't enough time, you know, and I just felt like there was no urgency. No, no, they just they were making like mental mistakes. It, it could have been they could have had a chance. It just sucks. Yeah, that's what I failed to mention is the no timeouts. Maybe if you had a timeout or two in your pocket, keep the defense a little bit honest, maybe throw a run or two in there. I could understand because you can stop the clock immediately. But with no timeouts, I wouldn't be even thinking about running the ball unless we saw those safeties take a step or two back. We could maybe hit a draw play. But that wasn't the case at all. So just no. unfortunate for them that that affected the outcome of the game when they could have possibly squeezed out another drive maybe if they hurried up and got the onside kick. We'll never know. But they covered the spread. Spread was 21 and a half. Lost by seven. Played a heck of a lot better than what they did against Oregon, that's for sure. And this is oh. a very, very positive sign for them. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I mean, I know that you're three and two, um, but these are obviously, without a doubt, your hardest games this season. And, you know, USC, I, th I think, is easily a top – I have them as a top eight team. So to lose by seven at home, I wouldn't hang your hats on it. Colorado's a, a better team than what their record shows. Yeah, when they get Shiloh, Travis Hunter back, it's going to do dividends. I think so. Can't forget to mention the rest of the USC stars from the day. Marshawn Lloyd looked like that four- or five-star freshman that we've all been looking to see over the last four years. 13 carries for 84 and a touchdown, and he looked very, very good with the ball in his hands. Taj Washington, the leading man for the day, eight for 117. And a touchdown, had that long of 71. And Debbie Sleeper, Brendan Rice, five for 81 and two touchdowns against his former team. And your guy, Mario Williams, three for 53 and a touchdown. 
And I swear it feels like he had more than three catches on the day. They all just came in a cluster. No, they. I feel like he did too, but um, I don't know. I, I feel like he. I definitely feel like he had more than three. I don't know why, but I feel like he had like a a screen catch and went for eight, and then uh, maybe it was handoffs or something. I have no idea, but I feel like he touched more than three. But it's nice to see Mario Williams go out there, get fifty yards and a touchdown. We're, I'm here for it, man. I know if Zachariah Branch was at the game, he wouldn't have got that, but I'm here for it. Yeah, it was very unfortunate we didn't get to see Zachariah Branch. I can never, at least last I looked, I couldn't find a reason for it. But I know he was out there in early warm-ups playing pitch and catch with fellow freshman Malachi Nelson. And then for later warm-ups, he came out just in a jersey and sweats. And I'm not sure exactly what the reason was. I could never find it. No one said anything. So hopefully he'll be back healthy next week. It's nothing too serious for him. But USC played a very good game offensively. They did defensively up until the fourth quarter, I'd say. But overall, extremely fun to watch. And Colorado isn't going anywhere. This is a sign of things to come for them. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, man. I think uh, Colorado is that they've got a bright future. I think Dion, he's a he's a heck of a coach, and we know he can recruit. Colorado's on the up and up without a doubt. As of this moment, do you think Shadur is declaring early? Or coming back for a senior season? Um, if I was Dion, I would do everything I could to keep Shadur for one more year. Tell yeah. him, tell him, you know, get into him early. That way, you know, before Caleb Williams decides whether he's going or not, um, and, you know, get him, get him to commit for one more year. I. Because I, I think there's a good possibility that if he stays and goes next year, I know you'll be, you know, going against a guy like Drew Waller, who we both have pretty highly ranked. But right now, Shooter's over him. You're not going up against Caleb Williams as number one quarterback. So, I mean, if I was Shooter, I would leave. Assuming he stays on the trajectory that he's on, I know there's uh, quite a few NFL general managers and scouts that believe he's a first-round talent, and without a doubt, he is. You know, I, I believe in, in Chase, you know, going and getting that money, getting that bag. I think he's going to get drafted in the first round. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, but if I was Dion, I'd want him to stay. Oh, absolutely. I think it's probably better for him to stay, yeah. given how low to the 24 class is and only having one year at the Power 5 level that everyone is so gung-ho on wanting to see more of. I mean, it's going to be a very interesting Deadline, I can't think of the formal term, but the declared deadline coming up in, was it January, February? I think it's February now, mid-February, between Shadur, J.J. McCarthy, and even Drake May, I think is a real possibility of coming back between his struggles so far, NIL money, and how much he truly loves University of North Carolina and the family lineage they have there. J.J. could always come back. I think that's a real possibility he doesn't go, as well as Shadur. It'll be interesting to see those three decisions, how the dominoes fall and when they fall. So I think, I think out of those three, you want to be the last one to make your choice. Just let the other guys, you know, two of them go, you stay. Right. Drake May goes, I think they both should really consider coming back to uh, not a mediocre 25 class, but a less touted 25 class at the moment. That's more wide open, even with Drew Aller at the moment. That's a possibility one of them could overtake him next season as the number one quarterback. 
But I can't wait for that day to come and to see who's who goes and who stays. I think the bigger question mark is does Caleb Williams go or stay? I don't want to be in the same draft class as Caleb Williams. If I was a quarterback, I, I just I wouldn't because um, I I keep hearing more rumblings that Caleb might stay, and to me that would be absolutely insane. This draft class is still good, but if Caleb Williams stays, I mean that's <laughs> that's crazy. I'm gonna have to tank for another year in some leagues. I'm sure he'll go, but I said a few weeks ago I think it's a possibility he stays. It all depends on who gets that number one overall pick. It really does. I mean, the Cardinals aren't looking half bad. They beat the Cowboys. They haven't looked absolutely terrible in the other two games. They look competent. But with having two top five picks, if they're saying, hey, we draft you, we draft Marvin Harrison, how do you really say no to that, to playing with a guy like that right off the bat, rookie contracts, five years? How could you say no to that? It's been in – yeah, their offensive line isn't the best, but they got big old Paris. Paris Johnson? Johnson. Yeah, Paris yeah. Johnson. I was thinking Paris Campbell. Wow. But they got yeah. Paris Johnson out there protecting the blind side, so that offensive line is better. They're going to have – I think Paris Johnson's going to be a star. He's probably a top eight left tackle in the league already, in my opinion. He's only I mean, going to get better. Going down that – that not necessarily lineage, but I know that there was a stat his last year at Ohio State and it was I can't remember exactly what stat it was, but he was getting compared to Orlando Pace. That's pretty good company if you're compared to Orlando Pace. Yeah, he's a beast. He's going to be one of the best in the game, if not the best left tackle within the next five years. If I remember correctly, I don't think he let up a sack in college. I don't think so either. He's a large man, and he is very quick and agile on his feet, so it's tough to get him around him no matter what passing pass rushing moves you pull out of your bag. Yeah, he's, he's got to count for all of them. No, absolutely. For a big man, he moves. I mean, there's a reason why they took him at what six overall, I think it was six yeah, it was, or eight. It was, yeah. With all the holes and all the issues they have with that team, they could have traded back and got more capital, but they decided to solidify that offensive lineman of the future and build around him. So you I got mean, him, you get Marvin Harrison. That's a pretty good start, even if you're bad for one to two years. Look at Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville. Second year, went in a playoff game after an absolutely terrible year. Had the number one overall pick two years in a row. Yeah, absolutely. I know he said what he said and his dad saying what he's saying. But maybe the Cardinals aren't as bad as we're thinking. I honestly don't think they are. I mean, they they signed Kyler Murray to a long extension and they were trying to compete. I think they have some good roots. They obviously have positions of need. Um, but getting back to your like one or two years of being bad and then then taken off. I mean, I think Houston's right in that ballpark too. Like I think CJ Stroud, I know maybe a little bit of homerism, but uh, he's having a hell of a year already. And I think Tank Dell's going to be special. I mean, you can't forget about Arizona, the weapons they already have. Hollywood Brown's a pretty good wide receiver. Rondell Moore seems to be getting better. Trey McBride is the tight end of the future. And they could always sign, say, T. Higgins, a free agency. They have money. You give me Hollywood, T, Rondell, Trey McBride, Marvin Harrison, and Paris Johnson to walk into. Right. And you and then you draft Caleb Williams. I'd be, you know, and then trade Kyler. You've got you've got all kinds of money now. Exactly. I mean, we've seen it time and time again. Good quarterbacks still being very, very good, if not great, with a poor offensive line. It can be done. Look at Joe Burrow. Skill set. 
it can absolutely be done. He doesn't need a stout offensive line or a million weapons. He's that special. To me, he walks into the league as a top-five quarterback. I was watching Ray GQ and Jay Rich on Bleacher Report a couple weeks ago. They did their top-five NFL quarterbacks under 25, and they were just threw it out there. Where should Caleb Williams be ranked on that list, hypothetically? And like everybody in the comments in the chat were not having it, saying he shouldn't even be thought about, blah, blah, blah. And there were guys, you know, Tua, Jalen Hurts, Justin Herbert, Brock Purdy. Those type of guys were on the list. No rookies. But even thinking about all the people 25 or under, if you give me my pick of the litter, I want Caleb Williams to start my franchise with today. Ahead of Herbert, Hurts, Tua, A. Rich, Stroud. I, want Caleb I, mean, I mean, you look at it right now, though. Well, you said 25 or younger. So there's Jalen Hurts, Trevor Lawrence, Tua, A. Rich, Herbert. That's that's it. That, that I would think that you could even discuss about being over Caleb Williams. And I, I, I'm with you. I think I'd rather have Caleb Williams over about any one of them outside of maybe T-Law and Tua. He's about as special as special gets in the college game. He's the most elite prospect we've seen in – quite some time at the quarterback position that's done it for two plus years. He was still very good at Oklahoma when he came in. Yeah. When he took over Spencer Rattler, it started when he overtook Spencer Rattler in the Texas game. I'm thinking like, this is the most type quarterback we've had since Andrew Luck. Yeah. Arguably. Yeah. And Andrew Luck, I mean, he was a good quarterback in college, but he wasn't doing what Caleb Williams is doing. No, no, absolutely not. He went to Stanford, who was who ran a pro-style offense. So he wasn't putting up the gaudy numbers like Caleb is. No, even, you know, same class, RG3. He yeah. was very hyped up as well. And he, was, and he was at Baylor, who ran a more air raid offense. So he, he got yeah. to do the stuff that, like, Caleb Williams is doing. Yeah, well, we'll move on and get back to the weekly recap here. Uh, we got an SEC battle, Florida at Kentucky. And Kentucky just blew the doors off him. They were up pretty much the whole game, controlled the game to their liking. Ray Davis, have a day, young man. 26 for 280 and three touchdowns, plus a receiving touchdown. So four touchdowns, almost 300 yards, all purpose. He looked good. I, unfortunately, on prize picks, on my slips that had him, I stupidly, apparently, took the under 75 to 78 rushing yards and Man, he got that on one play. He had a long 75. He hit the hole, made one cut, and he just dusted the whole defense. He was gone. He looked extremely good today and did whatever he wanted to this Florida defense. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised. I mean, because Devin Leary had himself a, a bad game. You know, I know he didn't didn't throw an interception, uh, didn't fumble the ball, but, you know, 9 of 20. I mean, this is just the Ray Davis show. Like you said, almost 300 yards of total offense, 280 on the ground, 9 through the air, 4 touchdowns. I mean, he kid was just, just had a career day. You go out there and rush for 280 yards. I mean, it's it's a day. No, no wonder Florida lost. Um, you know, kind of surprised honestly with Graham Mertz, 25 of 30 for 244. You know, through pass two passing touchdowns, one interception. But you know, when you look at the the total numbers, Kentucky had 329 yards on the ground, and Florida only had 69. It's, that's a it's just a rough day, man. Rough day at the office. Yeah, Florida 
nothing to really talk about. Trevor Etienne, four catches for 38, 11 carries for 29. Graham Mertz, extremely accurate. Once again, 25 for 30 for 244, two tutties and an interception. But Barry and Brown, quiet day as well. Four catches for 37 and a rush for 14. Sophomore running mate, the other star receiver, Dane Key, did nothing. Absolutely nothing. He might as well not even be playing if he was. I had him in a couple DFS lineups and was very disappointed in the goose egg that he dropped for me. But while watching this game, because I watched a little bit of it, I can see why with what Ray Davis was doing. There was no need for anyone else to even think about getting the ball. He was the whole damn show, and that's all they needed. He outscored Florida by himself. Yeah, I mean, he almost, you know, his total yards was almost the same as Florida's. I mean, he just, it's it's just one of those days. He he had like 15 less total yards than Florida did. You know, you, you average 10.8 yards per carry on 20 plus carries. You know, it's, it's just a day. Yeah, it was. So kudos to him, maybe. Debbie Wise, he'll start getting a little bit of recognition. I know when he was at Temple previously, some people were rumbling about him and thought him going to Kentucky might boast him into a spotlight a little bit more. And maybe now is the time for him. Move on to another SEC battle, Texas A&M and Arkansas. Of course, no Connor Wegman. If you haven't heard, he believe it's an elbow injury, but he is done for the season. Mm. So unfortunate for the 2025 prospect. Max Johnson is now taking over as the head man, the former LSU quarterback. And I posed the question on Twitter after hearing about the injury to Connor Wegman. What does this do for Evan Stewart going forward? And so far, between this week and last week when he got injured, I think Evan Stewart has less than five catches and 80-something yards, which is nothing compared to what he did the first three weeks. Yeah, I think he was getting like 12 catches a game the first couple weeks, it seemed like. Yeah, he was targeted double digits every single week by Wegman, and now he's not. He had two catches for 50 and a touchdown today. I think he also had a touchdown last week, so he's still getting the touchdowns. Yeah, he's just not hyper-targeted like he was. No, and I – with how good Everett Stewart is, even for me, I'm still selling him. But maybe not at the moment with his down games. But he is a top 10 Debbie wide receiver, I'd say, easily. I find it hard to believe he's just all of a sudden not getting open and it's just being shut down. Yeah, I've got him as my Debbie wide receiver nine, so he's definitely still in the top 10. Um, he, he's not hyper-targeted. I feel like that was a Connor Wegman thing for sure. Um, but, I mean, in Texas A&M looks like they can finally rush the ball. Um, Le'Veon Moss. Finally went over. I feel like this is the first game over 100 yards for him, isn't it? Rushing the ball. I think last week he did as well. Oh, did he? Okay, back-to-back weeks. But regardless, you know, Connor Webman goes out and you got a running back that can rush over 100 yards. So, Sorry, 97 yards last ah. week still. So that's close cool. enough. Right. So, but yeah, man, uh, I'm, I wouldn't be, I'm, like you said, I wouldn't be selling Evan Stewart. I think that time to sell was kind of when you did your Debbie buy, sell holds because that's what it was called at the time, and you you would have sold him because he was getting you know, like 12 targets a game and was, was to me, blowing up more. Uh, right now, I, I wouldn't. He's, he's not getting hyper-targeted. So I'd, I'd probably be holding him if I had him. Probably be buying him if I didn't. Yeah, he went from 
eight catches and 115, 11 catches and 142 to three for 50 and two for 50. So he got five for 100. That's still, I mean, averages. That's still good. Still 20 yards a catch. Yeah, you're not wrong. But still, he's been compared to Devontae Smith with between his profile and his body build. And that's kind of what Devontae Smith was in college, was a target hog. Same thing yeah. as Evan Stewart to start out the year, but not so much anymore. So if you're looking to buy Evan Stewart, your window might be popping wide open here before too long with Max Johnson at the helm. Yeah, I think that's very much so the case. I'd, I'd be buying him, you know, over the next week or two, especially if Wegman's out for the year. Honestly, you could make that same trade today as you probably can make another five, six weeks. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I don't I think I'm pretty sure without looking at stats, they let Wegman toss the ball around the yard a lot more. Yes. He had more full reign over this offense, so that could have something to do with it. They're gonna be passing less, running more with Le'Veon Moss, it seems like, and Amari Daniels. Max Johnson also had nine carries for fifty seven yards. So he does have some legs on him. So it's something to keep your eye on going forward if you're looking to maybe acquire some Everett Stewart or unload him. Just a situation to monitor week to week. Yeah. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but oh, yeah, no. over the first three games before he got hurt, Connor Wegman was average. You know, he had 23 pass attempts against New Mexico, 53 against Miami, and 29 against uh, was it Louisiana Monroe. So he's he definitely had more pass attempts on average compared to what we've seen from Max Johnson. And no coincidence, Le'Veon Moss has his best two games. Yardage-wise and most carries with Max Johnson starting or being heavily involved in the game. So it seems a little bit more run-heavy, less pass-heavy. Yeah, he'll be more relied upon. Move over to the Arkansas side of things. Uh, They put up 22 points. Overall, the offense was disappointing to me. K.J. Jefferson, 9 of 17 for 132. Touchdown and a pick. And then Raheem Rocket Sanders made his return to the field. 11 carries for 34 yards. So once again, another disappointing output from the top. One of the top 24 backs coming into the season. Let's see. He also had two catches for 36 yards. But overall, a very down game, especially when you only get two receptions. Wow, that's interesting. He had two catches for 36. So more yards through the air than on the ground. But he had a long of 38. So that second catch obviously went for negative two yards. So right. really he had one catch. Yeah, um, I think the real question for you is where do you currently – what is your stand put on Raheem Rocket Sanders? I, I know that I'm I'm pretty down on him right now, brother. I absolutely am. Oh, I hate to say it, but I am too. You know, he's my guy. He's been my number one running back in the class for quite some time over Travion. But right now, I mean, I'd rather have Travion over him, Trey Benson, both of my Michigan guys, Donovan Edwards, Blake Corn, Bucky Irving. I mean, I'd rather have all those guys at the moment. I still want yeah. him over like Will Shipley, Audrick Estime, Braylon Allen, Jace McClellan. I still want him over those guys. So he's, but he's definitely he's not your 24. Five for me. Yeah, but he's not your top 24 RB anymore. Not at the moment until he shows us something. I and just don't feel like he's I don't feel like he's running the same. 
Yeah. Now, he did come in heavier than last year, so maybe dealing with some weight distribution issues, playing at a heavier weight, maybe that's what he wants to do for the NFL going forward. And he's you know packed on the weight to try to play at that level. And if so, it's just not working out for him between being nicked up and being heavier. This season is quickly, quickly taking a hit on his draft stock. Yeah, absolutely. I I think you you touched on all the key key subjects. Uh, maybe put on the weight to try and be able to be more durable to take them hits a little bit better. And um, you know, between like you said, between being a little heavier and and being a little nicked up, I'm I'm just not impressed. I'm I'm kind of kind of worried about him honestly. I I know that you the guy you put your demarcation to where he was at. I don't know. I might at this point I might take Will Shipley and Braylon Aller over him too. To be honest. Especially since Chasm Lucy's out out at Wisconsin, uh, we know Braylon's going to get the work. Oh, and it's also it's Ches Lucy. Yeah, C H E Z. Sorry, yeah. easy, no, not easy. Like we've been saying for weeks. So I feel like I heard oh, somebody calling. I feel like I kept hearing people calling Chaz Lucy though. I think it sounds similar. What's up, but it is Ches. It's an easy. Yeah. So apologies to him for mispronouncing his name all these weeks. I feel like Chaz back healthy. He's had injury problems his whole career so far. And that's yeah. why it was such a shock to a lot of people. What's wrong with Braylon Allen? Probably nothing. But there's another guy in town that's apparently equally as good. And on another note, jumping ahead a little bit, Old Miss just beat LSU 55 to 49. Hmm. So we can pretty much count LSU out of the SEC title race. Well, that's going a little bit too far. They only have one conference loss now, but definitely out of the playoff race with two losses in the first five games. Yeah, I don't think uh, Jaden Daniels played out of the, the Heisman Trophy. So, I mean, he still had a good game. So, I don't, I don't know, man. With the numbers he's putting up, 27 to 36 for 414 and four touchdowns, 99 on the ground and another touchdown. Mama, there goes that man. Brian Thomas Jr. had three touchdowns. Ooh. And 124. Malik Neighbors, 102. Mason Taylor, 61. I can't wait I, to watch this game back because obviously we've been recording for a good portion of it. I didn't get a chance to catch it before. But I can't wait to watch this one. Uh, Jackson Dart, a very big ball game, 26 to 39 for 389 and four touchdowns. And Quinn Sean finally went off, man. Yeah, you're 33, were... 33 for 177 and a touchdown. I'm bravo. Bra- finally. Yeah, you and I, when we were before we hit the record button, had a decently long conversation about Mr. Judkins. And I don't remember his exact stat line when we were talking about it, but he definitely was at like he had no touchdowns and he was probably around 60 yards. It was a disappointing uh, yeah. game at that point. Yeah, he was he had like 70 yards at that point. So he 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 turned it up. That's for sure. So since we're on this topic, we're on this game now. Just, I guess, in general, the, the running back for Debbie's or running backs for Debbie mixed up my asses there. I've been pretty disappointing this season. Are you still top five, top three Debbie running back high on Judkins? Or as maybe his slow start before tonight, maybe taking a hit for you? Um, I will not lie. My Debbie running back rankings are kind of all over the place because like we've said before, uh, 
or on our podcast that, you know, all these guys are liquid assets and they're constantly changing. Um, after this game, I'd have a hard time saying Quinshawn Judkins isn't top three. Now that's not watching any film, not seeing what he did. I feel like I have a pretty good idea of what he is because of last year. Um, but yeah, I, I think I still have him top three, top five. This game would probably would would solidify that. I'd say uh, coming into this game, he probably was not. I'd probably have him. He'd probably still be top five, but not top three. Um, I'd probably go Nick Singleton still one. I'd probably go Henderson, and then believe it or not, Blake Corum at three, and then I think Quinshawn would probably be right around there. My man Blake Corum, you seem to love him the last few weeks. I love hearing it. I have loved him since he came back. I will not lie. I I had a feeling, and I was reading some articles about guys, or about I don't remember who wrote them, but there were some articles about guys saying that they think Blake Corum's going to be the RB one in twenty twenty four, and with the numbers and stuff he's done. I would not be surprised. Yeah, I, he was a buy for me week before last, I believe, and I wrote something similar. He's going to be a top running back in this class, and there's no reason to knock him for his previous injury or come back an extra year. He's just that damn good. When he's on the field, you know what you're getting. Yeah, he's absolutely. Play at an elite level each and every week, no matter what. He's there's a reason player. he's in my Heisman, my top five in my Heisman list. So I'm, I'm on the Blake Quorum train. Even though he wears maize and blue, I, I am on the Quorum train. Now, for back to Judkins. Buying or selling at the moment? I don't want to hear no hold. No, I'm Get not going to. Him no. Buying him. no, I'd be selling him. After this game, I'd 100% be selling him. Because I feel like this was yeah, – I mean, LSU, it's crazy to think because their defense has been pretty stout. And they got a guy named Harold Perkins who's pretty darn good to – see Quinshawn go out there and put up almost 200 yards on the ground. Um, I don't see very many of those coming back the rest of the season. I, I would I would sell why the market's hot. And I feel like this game, yeah. the market's going to be really hot. It's by far his best game of the year. Did it on a big stage. Nationally televised game. My phone's going off in many different chats and Twitter about this game and the ending. So a lot of eyes are on this game, especially other people that do Debbie content and are heavily into the college game. So I'm with you. You will see him in my buys and sells article this week, one way or another. So make sure you tune into that this upcoming Friday on destination Cause now's the time to do something with them. Whether you buy, whether you sell, sell window is now big game. You got a big W at home and I'm starting to slowly thoughts are creeping in my head. Maybe a lot of his success was he had Zach Evans in the backfield with him, playing equally as well as what he did last year. And maybe he's just not this overly talented freshman from last year that we had touted him to be. But the time time will tell with him for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, t- time tells all. Uh, I, I could see that, you know, having a, a second running back just as good back there with you to be able to bounce off of. Yeah, I and then when you're relied on completely to be the guy and take a little bit of a, a dip, I could see that. Yeah, well, get back on track and get back to where we're supposed to be. Clemson at Syracuse. Clemson did win 31 to 14. Kate Klubnik had a Kate Klubnik day, threw the ball 30 plus times for 20 plus completions for 263 and two through the air. Didn't do anything on the ground for you. 
Will Shipley, Phil Moffa both got in the end zone through the ground. Typical Will Shipley Dave this year, it seems like. 18 carries, 61 yards. Lots of work, not a lot of production. So I'm not sure what's going on with him, but it's, I'll just say it. The curse of the 24 class is real. All these running backs that came in, we were red hot on. They all seem to be starting off slow. Some of them are finally starting to get together, but most of them started extremely slow and unexpected. Yeah, I mean, Will Shipley, like you're you're alluding to, uh, before I believe before the game, he had 54 carries for 290 yards, 5.4 per carry, and a touchdown. I mean, statistically wise, not terrible. Just you know, hasn't been producing. And now he's got two touchdowns on the ground. I, th- I believe he's got a few through the air or a few receiving touchdowns as well. But, you know, just not a good year for these 24 guys, man. Not at all. No, yeah. not so far. Yeah, so he's it's got unfortunate. Two, he's got two rushing and two receiving touchdowns on the year. So I'm just He's still heavily involved. He's just not producing of what we were used to for whatever reason that might be. He's still getting about the same amount of work, but production-wise, the efficiency has definitely gone down. Yeah, I mean, that same thing how we talked about earlier. Uh, I can't remember who it was, but you said at 38, a 38-yard long, but only at 36 receiving yards for the game. Will Shipley had two catches for zero yards, and his long was eight. To me, that is absolutely insane, man. So you had a an eight yard catch and then an eight yard loss on on each catch. I mean, that's just that's crazy. Yeah. So unfortunately for him, his stock and ranking for I know me, I believe for you too, maybe slightly, even though he is your guy, he's definitely declining. Yes. It seems like week to week, I'm looking at running backs and the same rankings as him, thinking, uh, from what I've seen so far this year, I'd rather have this guy. Yeah, I mean, uh, recently I've I've made the change. He's no longer a top five, top six guy for me. I've got Donovan Edwards over him, Braylon Allen over him, Trey Benson, Bucky Irving, all Devin Neal. I have all those guys above him currently now. He's still I still like him, but uh, he's borderline top ten. Yeah, and it's still a pretty deep class. Yes. They're just underperforming and underwhelming us at the moment. Halfway through the year, that's not really the best feeling for an upcoming draft class. In dynasty terms, no, I mean, c- coming into the season, we were expecting this 24 RB class to, you know, be pretty good. And it's like it's done a complete 180 on us. Like the wide receiver room is is crazy big now. And the, it seems like the running back room, I mean, still big, but it's they're just not producing like we anticipated. No, no, it, hopefully it gets better. That'd be great to see. I'm sure it will as the season goes on. We'll move on to a Big Ten blowout. Michigan Wolverines traveled to Lincoln, Nebraska to play the Corn Huskies. Uh, J.J. McCarthy had a very efficient game, 12 of 16 for 156 and two through the air. Two carries for 30, also got in the end zone on the ground. So his services, slinging the ball around, was not much needed today. And typical Roman Wilson that we see every other week basis, it would seem like four for 58 with two receiving touchdowns I mean, through the air. That's about, that's about it for the notables. So when you're only throwing the ball 16 times, there's not going to be a lot there. 
Yeah, it looks like he had a, you know, Jack Tuttle came in and had some passing work and stuff too, but J.J. McCarthy did all the damage. Uh, Jaden Denagle had a, a throwing touchdown to Peyton O'Leary, but yeah. Davis I mean, Warren got some work. We threw three quarterbacks out there. Yeah, he just went None out there. more Alex Orgy, who I desperately want to see. I still remember Gus Johnson last year, Alex Orgy had a rushing touchdown. He's extremely athletic. And Gus Johnson, there's an orgy in the end zone, and I lost it. I couldn't believe he said that on air. He's not wrong, but I just couldn't believe he said that. But that's Gus Johnson, the one and only. Yeah, if and you ever look up – with it. Yeah, I was going to say the exact same thing. If you look up some of Gus Johnson's, like, famous funny uh, sayings on the field, I mean, he says all kinds of stuff that's just outlandish and crazy, and he's about the only guy that can get away with it. I love me some Gus Johnson. I do. And he is a he is a Michigan guy. He loves Michigan, absolutely. So I can see where your affinity for him is, and he has some affinity for Michigan. But he, man, he's he's a trip when he commentates games. Him and Joe Clatt are great. They're great yin and yang. They might just be the best all, of all time together. Yes, I love Joe Clatt as well. I know a lot of people don't like him as much, but he's a he's elite, top tier. What he does. Yeah, I I, I listen to a lot of Joe Clatt, like. Um, He's got podcasts and stuff as well. I listen to a lot of his stuff. I really like Joe Clatt. Yeah, uh, if you're but, looking for somebody to listen to, it's extremely smart and knows the game. You can pick it apart. He, Joe he, Clatt's yeah, he he is extremely intelligent when it comes to football and, and the likes. Um, I used to like Colin. Don't like Colin anymore. <laughs> Coward? Uh, yeah. But, uh, uh, but he's entertaining. He's a, yes, he's entertaining. He's not afraid to say some outlandish stuff to get views. But Joe Clatt, Joe Clatt and Gus Johnson, absolutely. Uh, but getting back to the Michigan game, you know, it, was, it seems like every week Blake Corum's involved. He had uh, 16 carries, 74 yards, and touchdown. Donovan Edwards, 14-48, so almost a 50-50 split. Um, had 250 rushing yards, 187 passing yards. I feel like that's going to be Michigan's MO from here on out in the Big Ten, and they absolutely put the hurting on Nebraska today. Nebraska stood no chance. You know, they won 45-7. Yeah, damn near emptied out the running back room on this one. Khalil Hillel Mullings, the Kabari linebacker from last year, got five carries. Tavari Dunlap got four. Leon Franklin got six. I mean, we didn't see the freshman, uh, Cole Cabana or Benjamin Hall, unfortunately. But they're, that's just how loaded this running back room is. We didn't see C.J. Stokes either. He's a very good back. They're about six, seven, eight on the depth chart at this point. There's just so many running backs that can rotate in, especially in a game like this. That's what I attribute Donovan Edwards getting so many carries is blew him out, blew the doors off early and often. And Corm, he lost me some money today. I thought he'd get in the end zone multiple times and have at least 94 rushing yards. Unfortunately, I, I only got the one touchdown prop off of him. Thought he would score the first, first touchdown as well. Thought that was Pretty probable opportunity there, and it didn't happen. But overall, I mean, it, good day for the offense. Made quick work of it, efficient. That's what you want to see. And I, I don't see – I mean, Tyler Morris fumbled the ball. Didn't lose it, though. So, no turnovers, no picks. Great game. Yeah, Michigan top to bottom, they just proved to be the superior team. You know, they, like you said, quick, efficient, run the ball, run it down your throat, knock you out, throw the haymaker. That's what they do. A good old Big Ten, old-fashioned football. And the highest-scoring output of the season so far for the Wolverines. Hit the over-under of 39.5 by themselves. Didn't need Nebraska 
And Nebraska's one touchdown was a 74-yard run in the fourth quarter. Michigan has the top overall scoring defense. We haven't let more let up more than seven points all year in any in any game. So this defense is loud and proud and underrated from a across the nation standpoint. Well, to be fair, look at who you've played. But I agree with you. Michigan's defense uh, yeah, here. I, I year don't want to hear to be fair. Everyone's got a cupcake non-conference schedule anymore. Well, Ohio State doesn't. They played Notre Dame. But regardless, their your defense year in and year out is top-notch, top 10 without a doubt. Yeah, I'll give you your flowers. Michigan's defense is the real deal every single year. Yeah, the, just always find a way. Looting Aiden Hutchinson, David Ojaba last year came back. Yeah, that freaking is good. That's Sanders still or whatever his name is, man. I I like Sanders still. Yeah, Wolf. I I love to hate that guy. I really do. He's been there for at least five years. I hope he gets another year or two of eligibility. He's the he's the heart and soul of that team. Former oh, yeah. receiver, one of the top slot corners in the nation, even last year. He, he's he the, is definitely the leader of this whole team. Yeah, he's the captain of the team, without a doubt. Uh he's he's a heck of a leader, period. And that's why I love to hate him. Um, he just, he's just that guy. He's, he's, he's an, uh, I think he's above average corner, but he, he's just, he's the glue man. Yeah. He's the typical story of if he's on your team, you love him. If you're playing against them, you absolutely hate him. Yes. Yes. Uh, we'll move on to the, one of the games we are looking forward to most Kansas traveling down to Austin, Texas. It was a game I did not expect or predict. Texas won 40 to 14. I thought it'd be a little bit closer than this. Unfortunately, no Jalen Daniels today for Kansas. So Jason Bean got the nod, who was also good in his own right, but he's no Jalen Daniels. Uh, Devin Neal had a very bad game eight for 45, two catches for 10 yards. He could not get loose in this one whatsoever. It was all Texas early and often. Uh, Quinn Ewers. He had a very good game outside of the interception that he threw like 10 seconds left in the first half. He did potentially take points off the board because they were, they were in field goal range at that point. He just threw a pretty bad interception, but still 25 or 35 for 325. lots of three twos and fives, one yeah. touchdown. And then he had two rushing touchdowns, 40 yards on the ground. So who said Quinn yours was not a dual threat? I don't know, but if there is a comparison out there, it might just be Joe Burrow. Yeah, Uh, I I love that comparison because his deep ball isn't necessarily the best, which um, Joe Burrow's wasn't until his senior year at LSU. So uh, I I can see it. And Quinn Ewers, I feel like that's something he's added to his game this year. Granted, we haven't seen a whole lot of his game until this year, but I just don't feel like he was much of a runner. But he's, he's proven he's a willing runner and can get the ball in the end zone when he does it. I think the big takeaway from this game is is Jonathan Brooks, though, man. Uh, Yeah, he's someone I want to talk about not only tonight, but on our upcoming Debbie show over on the Gridiron Fantasy Show feed. He might be something here. He's played extremely well all season. As far as, like, around the program in Texas, he was talked about heavily coming into this year and through spring practice, fall practice. We, You and I were not paying much attention to him, honestly. But – He's put us on notice with what he's done this year. Today, 21 for 218 and two touchdowns. And through the air, he had one for 23. 
Yeah, I mean, he he carried the load for Texas today. Like you said, 21 for 218 over 10 a carry. You get 10 a carry. I mean, you give yourself a your team a really good chance of coming out there with a victory. Um, you know, Kansas had 160 or 260 yards of total offense, and Jonathan Brooks had 218 by himself. He almost outgained the whole Kansas team. You know, you, you throw Jonathan Brooks and Adani Mitchell together and they they out they out produce the whole the whole Kansas team, man. I mean, Jonathan Brooks, I'm sure we'll be talking about him a lot more. He's he's had himself a year. Uh, just just looking at some of the some of the other games he's had and he's you know putting up touchdowns a bunch and in a hurry. He had two last week against Baylor, and then he had one more earlier in the year against Alabama. I think he's by far and wide, which we didn't see coming. Thought it was gonna be Cedric Baxter Jr., but he looks like the lead back in that on that team. Yeah, I mean, he's built very well. Six foot, almost 210. He can catch the ball, can run through the middle, run outside very quick. He is 2024 eligible, although I don't see him coming out this year. But he is a sneaky guy to keep your eye on. I know maybe scouting the helmet, whatever. But kind of reminds me of Roshan Johnson in that sense. Kind of sneaking up on us later in his career as an NFL running back. Probably, like I said, probably doesn't come out this year, but he's someone to keep in your hat, keep your eye on, especially when it does come draft process time, whenever he does declare. He's good, man. He is legit good and under the radar. Yeah, I don't know how he slid under our radar, but he's, yeah, I, I think he's got NFL talent written all over him, front, back, side to side. At six foot, like you said, 210, 207. He, he fits that mold, and he can, honestly, he can do it all, brother. I'm, I need, I'm going to watch a lot more film on him just to, to get a better feel for his game. But he's, I think he could be the real deal. But I don't, I, I'm with you though. I don't think he comes out this year. I think he stays one more. Yeah, and CJ Baxter, true freshman stud, 15 for 67. Jadon Blue, four for 28. So a lot of running backs got a lot of work today. And it's not a Donnie Mitchell. That's not how you pronounce his first name. They were talking about during the game. Now that I said it, I can't remember the correct pronunciation that he said himself. It was like a Dene or something along those lines. I know I'm butchering it. I'll have to find it, but it's not a Donnie like it is spelled. And he doesn't, apparently he doesn't like A.D. Mitchell. He likes his proper first name to go by. So I'll, I'll get used to that one, but he had a big ball game. 10 of 10 targets, sorry, 10 receptions for 141 and a touchdown. He had a bunch of targets early and often. He was clearly Quinn's favorite target today. Xavier Worthy, 7 for 93. And again, freshman Jonte Cook got in the ball game and caught a long ball, 1 for 26. Jatavion Sanders was basically non-existent, 1 for 10. That was disappointing. I had him in a couple DFS lineups, and he dropped dropped a dud for me. Probably his worst game since he's been a full-time starter. Yeah, without a doubt. But to me, honestly, it's nice to see this offense get get going and and be productive on on the passing side without having to rely on Jatavian Sanders to open it up for him. So I don't know if that was necessarily that he was just you know kind of being a a coverage hog or what. But it's it's good to see you know other guys get involved. Honestly, I was looking up if there was a you know like a pronunciation way for Ad Mitchell because I I know I've heard the correct way that you say it. And we've talked about it a couple of times, but I just, it keeps eluding me. So I, we'll figure it out eventually. I'm going to write it down after we get off of here, but it's, it's very unique pronunciation. I've never heard it before. 
or anything other than him like that before. So it's very unique. Yeah. It's it's almost weird. It's like, oh, that's I wouldn't say it that way. It definitely does not sound like the way it's spelled. Because the way it's spelled, you think a Dane right. easily every time. But that that's not how you spell it or how you pronounce it. So we'll get used to that. And apologies for mispronouncing his name for is it last year. Something like that, yes. Yeah. A Denny, I think. Yeah, it's, so it's those pronounced as an E, basically. We'll figure it out. We'll get it right next time. I apologize. I apologize. Back to yours. I saw a lot of people saying he had a down game. He didn't look very good. I saw the complete opposite out of him. Other than just the stat line being very good, he showed off his legs and he's willing to run. We've seen him get hit maybe more than what some people are like, but he's a willing runner, willing to put his head and shoulder down to get those extra couple yards and fall forward. He seems to be the complete package of quarterback. He's got it between the ears, I believe. He can read through his progressions really well already. And again, you still got to think, didn't he skip his senior year? I don't think he played much his junior year. I think he had an injury or something, if I'm not mistaken. Didn't play his freshman year at Ohio State. I'm, I'm trying to get my timelines correct. Was his junior year COVID year? <sighs> Maybe. Maybe. Regardless, uh, before college, he hadn't played a snap in over a year. I think that yeah. his first snap last year at Texas, it was over two years since he played a, a snap of football, uh, for sure. Yeah. So if we're like like a legitimate snap, like obviously he got in a couple games at Ohio State, but it was garbage time. But like competitive snaps with real meaning, it had been over two years. So And then he got hurt last year. I don't feel like this kid's been given a, a fair shake. Um I mean, for he's all, only started roughly 15 games in his career, I think. At the 15 collegiate to 17, off the top of my head. At the collegiate level? Yeah. I think it's less than that. Because I think he got hurt in the Alabama game last year. And that yeah, was he only like, missed three weeks. That was more than that. I thought, I thought it was no, like just, five. Just three. Yeah. And then, you know, five this year. He's looking at 15 to 17, still less than two full seasons. And it, he's getting better and better each week. He's progressing. He's not declining. He's not continuously looking bad or looking inept. He's improving each and every week, each and every rep in practice, and each and every game on Saturday against Power 5 defenses. And also, which I think is an underrated about thing, something underrated about football in general, is he's facing one of the top defenses in America every day in practice. Yes. That's going to – we say it all the time, iron sharpens iron. He's getting that in practice. You can say, oh, it's the Big 12. Defenses are soft. Texas is not soft that he's playing against them throughout the week in practice. I think Texas, honestly, after the Alabama game, I really started to appreciate their defense as a whole. I think they're a top five defense, no doubt. Their, de- their defense is stout. Um, I was just looking up. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. He played 10 games last year, and this was his fifth start of the season, so this is game 15 for him. He's – for you know, number of games he's played, he's he's played one season, and this is year three, basically. So, you know, I, I feel like he still doesn't get the credit he deserves, and I think he's only twenty. I mean, he's he's young too, so you know, he's super I, young, super inexperienced. I mean, he's not Dante Moore that started for four years in high school and played forty plus games before college. Quinn probably played twenty, twenty five, maybe. 
I mean, I'm yeah. sure obviously with college, you know, with high school, it's differs from state to state and how far they win the playoffs and whatnot. But he he's inexperienced. I mean, he's top number one overall recruit, and people it seems to fall on deaf ears sometimes that he's not a third, a true quote unquote third year player that's been starting for you know even one full season before now. Yeah. No, I I um I personally love Quinn Ewers. I feel like he's finally I shouldn't say finally, but he's he's taken the football thing extremely serious. Uh we touched on it on I think on our show a couple weeks ago that he he's down to his lowest weight and he's as healthy as he's ever been. You know, he dropped from two seventeen down to like one ninety seven, one ninety five. He's he's healthy. He's shown that he's a proven runner. Uh to me, the only thing in his game that might be a little lacking or a little bit behind is his deep ball. That's honestly my not necessarily a question mark. It's just not as good as the rest of his game. But, you know, giving throughout the rest of the season and hooking up with Xavier Worthy, you know, time and time again, I, I think he, he figures it out. Again, I feel like I, I like your Joe Burrow comparison. I feel like that's very fair because Joe Burrow until his last year at LSU was not a deep ball threat. And then he had two NFL caliber wide receivers out there and figured it out. Then we'll move on to an SEC matchup, a very tough world game for the Georgia Bulldogs going into Jordan-Hare Stadium to play against the Auburn Tigers. Uh, Brock Bowers, 8 for 157 and a touchdown. Got off to a slow start, but he made up for it in the end, had a breakaway game-winning touchdown to put it away for Georgia. Uh, Jarquez Hunter, coming into the season, was a very talked-about 24 running back, 19 carries for 59 and one touchdown. So he had a pretty good game. Georgia was finally tested. They answered the bell. They won late. Defense held up. Offense struggled. But a very good showing for them overall coming out with a tough, grinded-out win. Yeah, it's nice to see Brock Bowers finally be, you know, the focal point of that offense. Like you said, 8 for 157 and a touchdown. Uh, I feel like he was doing that about every other week last last year and the year before. Um, took a couple games. Uh, to me, the big thing, I know not really Debbie-related, but Peyton Thorne, man, Leading rusher for that that Auburn team, that's that's crazy to think about. Uh, but good to see Georgia's defense do enough and Georgia put up enough points to beat a, a not very good Auburn team. Then we'll move on to our last completed game of the day that we'll go over. The Oregon Ducks at Stanford. They treated them like they were Colorado, 142-6, even though it took Oregon a quarter and a half to really get going. Bo Nix did Bo Nix things. 27-32 for 290 and four touchdowns. Uh, Bucky Irving, 13 for 88 and a touchdown on the ground. Added three for 23 receiving. And Troy Franklin, once again, a monster game, seven for 117 and two touchdowns. So Troy Franklin is seems to be Mr. Consistent with big plays nowadays. Yeah, I mean, I'm not much to relay off of what you said. Oregon whipped the crap out of Stanford. Stanford is now one and four. Emmett Smith Jr. not looking too hot. Bucky Irvin did Bucky Irvin things. Troy Franklin did Troy Franklin things. And Bone Dix continues to be good, old, reliable. About as many touchdowns he has in completions. That's Bone Dix, super efficient Heisman Trophy candidate, rising 2024 quarterback coming down the pipes. Could be. Well. Touch on a couple games here that are still ongoing before we click the end button for this evening. Notre Dame is on the road in Durham facing the Duke Blue Devils. Currently 18 to the third quarter, up 13 to 7. Sam Hartman is struggling. 
like I thought he would, facing a former ACC foe that he's played a couple of times. 11 of 21 for 170. No touchdowns, no turnovers. Uh, Audric Estime struggling as well. 14 carries for 35 yards and a touchdown. He's had a long of six yards tonight. So he hasn't been able to bust out like we're accustomed to seeing. Has two catches for 16 yards. So this offense, back-to-back weeks of struggling. Riley Leonard struggling as well. 9-23 for 100 yards and one pick. 11 carries for 36 yards. So overall, this is just a defensive slugfest for the most part. Yeah, really the only ones to really talk about that are doing much of anything is Mitchell Evans from Notre Dame. He's got five catches for 115. And then uh, Jaquez Moore for Duke has six carries for 52 yards, averaging almost nine yards per carry. So, But absolutely, it's a defensive slugfest. Uh, not a very exciting game to watch. I've got it sitting on my iPad next to me with no volume, kind of peeking over and looking. I, I caught the interception earlier. It wasn't anything crazy. It's just, just a defensive battle. Yeah, that'll be a snooze fest to watch back for Debbie purposes. We'll move on to the last game, an SEC battle, South Carolina at Tennessee. And just to start off, end of the first quarter is 14-10. And then you and I were talking about before we hit record, and I thought it was going to be an exciting high-scoring game. But I was wrong. Spencer Rattler doing Spencer Rattler things, 17-26 for 111 and an interception. No touchdowns. Has a rushing touchdown, though. Uh, Xavier Leggett, who bursted onto the highlight scene last year. Big, tall, lanky, speedster, 5 for 50 thus far. Uh, Joe Milton, same as Spencer Rattler, doing Joe Milton things. Not good. 17 of 27, 192. Has a touchdown, but has two interceptions. So the, the Michigan Joe Milton has arrived in Tennessee the last couple weeks. Not good to see, but he's still with the starter. Still hanging on to his job. Freshman Nico is not hot on his heels just yet, it seems. Brew McCoy, senior, two for 21. So very quiet game for him as well. Squirrel White, the smaller speedster, eight for 96. So all in all, score's pretty deceptive, 31 to 17. You'd think there'd be a lot more to talk about on the offensive sides of the ball, and there's not. Tennessee has a big six. And other than that, not much going on in this game, honestly, bud. No, I mean, really the the only highlights to talk a whole heck of a lot about, you know, the the rushing attack for both teams. They both have over 100 yards rushing. Jalen Wright has 11 for 95 and a touchdown, and Jabari Small has 7 for 46 and a touchdown. And Mario Anderson's having a game 10 for 100 and a touchdown on the other side. Passing the ball, neither of these teams look very proficient. Yeah, that'll do it for us tonight. We'll go ahead and put a bow on this one. Of course, please give us a follow on Twitter at Gump7285. You can find Derek at D underscore Cook93, and that's spelled K-O-C-H. You can find our podcast, Gridiron Fantasy Show, at Gridiron underscore F-S. And, of course, Destination Debbie at Destination Debbie. Catch my Debbie buys and sells from yesterday that dropped on Friday. And then catch it every week, dropping on Fridays as well. And we'll see you guys, hopefully, on the Gridiron Fantasy feed this upcoming Monday and Tuesday for our next two episodes. Appreciate you guys tuning in, and have a great Sunday. Get some W's in fantasy and win some money. Thanks for listening. See ya.